of The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, We are continuing our series. We're in the book of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible along, we're in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And we've been in chapter 4 for a little bit because this is a key section when I talk about if you do any kind of counseling, if you're going to do counseling, even with your kids, this is like just highlight this section. This is probably a section you're going to go to regularly because much of counseling that people are doing, much of that people are wrestling with, that people are struggling with, that they, they go to bed and they're frustrated with is dealing with forgiveness. Um, what you have done, the guilt you have done for someone else, but most often it's what someone has done to you in being able to let that go. So we're going to talk through that today. What does forgiveness look like, which is different, I think, than reconciliation. So I'll just kind of give you a preview that we have forgiveness and we have repentance, and often those two do not meet. So some people are waiting for that day. They're saying, as soon as they repent and say that they're sorry, uh, I'm going to move on with my life. And basically, they're saying, I'm going to let that person control my life until they are willing to say, I'm sorry, and then I will forgive them. That two people you can reconcile up until then, if you're the one who is offended, you can repent. And if you're the one who has been offended, you can forgive. That's what we're, that's what we're wrestling with. So we'll get there eventually. Um, before that, when you think about favorite stories in the Bible or like short stories, I don't say stories because they're not real, but um, stories that just have like kind of a beginning, a middle, and end. I think many people's favorite is the book of Ruth because they're talking about this sense of faithfulness that happens in the book of Ruth. And if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, if, does anyone know someone who married someone or, or know someone who married someone who does not make the greatest decisions of all time? Okay, so you might know someone who's done that. You shouldn't be hitting the person next to you right now. So you've um, because that means you're the one making bad decisions. So, so if you're married someone or you know someone who's made bad decisions, that was Naomi's story. So she's kind of the, the main character of the book of Ruth. And Naomi is married to a man who has this idea, I'm gonna leave our homeland and I'm gonna pick up my kids. I got, he had two boys and he said, we're gonna go to the land uh, where the unbelievers live. That was his plan. And while he is there, he dies his two boys died, but in the process, his boys had married two unbelieving women at the time. So one of those women is Ruth. And they're deciding what to do. And, and she is now penniless. She didn't have a way to earn income. And she's frustrated. And she doesn't know what to do. But then she says this phrase, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And that's a play on words because her name is Naomi. So if you know anyone who's named Naomi, I know like, there's not a lot of Naomi's, right? Naomi Campbell was a supermodel. And then Naomi Judd, Judd? I don't know any other Naomi's. It means pleasantness. It means loveliness. And so now he's saying, don't call me pleasant any longer. Call me bitter. She is so frustrated because of the situation that she has found herself in. And so we're going to talk through bitterness and some of those attributes of bitter people. And I'm going to be looking down uh, way more than normal today because I have a lot of lists and research that's just talking about this. How do we talk through it? So what do we mean when we talk about someone who is bitter? Uh, some people, I, someone referred to bitter people as archaeologists because they're always digging for something and they always remember the past. So archaeologists look, look in the past and they're always trying to discover that. If you know someone who's bitter, and maybe it's you, but just think about how they remember the past and they're always trying to dig up the past and bring it up again and again and again. Okay, so that's one. Number two is that they, they remember these things. Maybe you've done something to, to someone and, and they talk to you about it and you're like, I... I don't remember that. 
And they get really frustrated, like, how can you not remember it? And they remember, like, what they were wearing. Uh, they remember the day. They remember the time. They remember the place. They remember the weather. They remember, like, everything about it. And in fact, if you've run into someone who struggles with bitterness, I guarantee you have done something to them that isn't, in your mind, a very big deal. And it takes them right back to this other point where they felt like they were wronged. So sometimes if someone's response is not normal to what you would expect, let's just say you were late for a meeting and someone blows up, I mean, or, and, or you had to cancel something and they can't believe it. It takes them right back to this moment where someone wronged them on a higher level. So that is one. So they're archaeologists, they dig up the past, and, but usually, who do people get bitter about? Well, you think about that. I'm going to fix this. This is driving me nuts. There we go. I'm like the princess in a pea when it comes to my microphone. There we go. That's much better. Uh, so who, think about people. Does anyone get bitter? Like you're at, the, you're at the checkout line or something like that, and then you get slighted by the cashier, and 10 years later, you're like, I remember the day and the time and the weather when they said, does anyone remember that? Does anyone, you've been in a checkout line, and some little kid goes like, why are you so fat? And you're like, I cannot believe that. 10 years later, you're still... But what would happen if your mom said that to you? You're in the same checkout line and your mom's like, man, you're fat. And like, you would not forget that ever. And so most people are not necessarily bitter at the person just in general, like the actual sin itself, but they're bitter at their, their feelings for that person that came back in a different way. So it's usually, if you talk about people who are bitter, grandparents they're bitter at, their parents, their kids, sometimes their grandkids, their friends, and sometimes, listen to what Naomi says, call me Mara, call me bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. There are times where you're a little bit, depending on your situation, you're actually bitter even at God because of this relationship. No one is bitter at the devil. I've never met anyone who goes like, oh, I can't stand the devil. You know what he did to me? That doesn't come up, but there's this sense that this person should love and care and help me, and now they're not. Uh, for bitter people, often fall into a category of a, like they're the judge. They sit in the seat of judgment and they look at the situation like a self-righteous, to some degree, like they have this omniscience and they're able to assess the situation, all motives, all things that happened. And they stand and say, this is what you did. There's no other explanation outside of it. This, I understand the situation. You do not. This person wronged me. So this is all affecting. So why does this matter? There are reasons why you could be a bit bitter. I'll say that but there's only one. There's a whole lot of reasons why you should not. So that's what we're going to walk through even before we get into Ephesians. So um, reasons why people do get bitter and they really shouldn't. Number one, they think someone sinned against them and the person really did not. Has that ever happened to you? Someone's really angry about something and it was really, in their mind, it was this grievous offense and it really isn't. So I'll give you two examples. We had a neighbor. Uh, I asked once, they had this ugly potted plant. So they own uh, Flanagan's sauerkraut. They were about three houses down. They owned the sauerkraut factory. And, and so we would go over there and they had this ugly potted plant. It was like this pine tree inside this tiny pot. So it needed a new pot. And it was like really scraggly. It looked like, um, like the Christmas tree, like in Dr. Seuss kind of deal or something like that. Or was it Charlie Brown or something? It was like the most pathetic looking tree. It was like this high. And I asked randomly, this is years later. I said, hey, whatever happened to that pine tree. You know, I just kind of wondering, like, what did they, did they turn it into a bonsai stick or what did they do? And they said, well, I think you know. 
I don't know. They're like, well, yeah, you came and smashed the pot. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I did not smash the pine tree pot, right? If anything, I felt for the pine tree, right? Like, freedom, go. No, I did not do that at all. So in their mind, somehow there's this circulated family story that came that it was me or my brother had smashed the pot of this pine tree, which sounds silly. So I'll give you another example. Um, I've told you this story before. Norm was our favorite neighbor. So I was young. When we first moved to Washington, I was 25 years old. I didn't really know what I was doing. And the house we lived in, he, the guy who owned it before us was named Gary. So we always said, and Gary was not much of a mechanic, so I called everything Gary Rigged. So we would go, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Gary Rigged. And so I'd need help. So I'd go to Norm, and Norm would help us out. And we were pretty good friends. My dad was over one day, and we're in the front yard. And my dad said, and who's this? I said, oh, that's Norm, but we don't associate with Norm. Like, I was totally kidding. I saw Norm all the time. Six months later, I'm like, man, I haven't seen Norm much. And I see Norm out, and he's kind of restless, right? And, and he's in the front yard. I said, Norm, are you okay? He's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, man, what's wrong? He goes, six months ago, you said you don't associate with me. I said, Norm, I, I was so kidding. It was sarcasm, which isn't very funny, it just because we did hang out all the time. And so, like, we hugged it out, and that was it. But what is it? So six months, he went thinking, like, I hope your house is Gary rigged forever, right? Like, I don't, so he, so what is that? He was angry, probably a little bit bitter because he thought I had offended him and really there was no intention, there was no sin whatsoever. I think you could think of plenty of examples where someone, that your action is automatically a response. It's like against them. If you're late for something, it gets against them. You're late because in their mind, they interpret it that you want me to be, um, to feel worse about myself or you don't care about me or, you know, all these things. That is not the intention that's happening on uh, two, people get bitter when they have unmet expectations, so or maybe unreal expectations. But you have un- this is often in a new marriage. So if you're newly married, and you you have these intentions in your mind of how things should go, and when they do not go that way, there's bitterness and frustration. And if you really got down to it, if you really got people to express themselves, they would say, "Well, I kind of expected." You can name it, right? I expected flowers on Valentine's Day, or I expected a birthday card, or I expected something besides a vacuum for our anniversary, right? Like, you know, this, this can go on, but you name it, and these, there's expectations. And sometimes that's physical affection, sometimes that's emotional affection. And in any relationship, if you want to talk about bitter, it, a lot of it comes down to unmet expectations. Why would you be bitter at your boss, for example? because you thought they would really have your back, right? That, that can cause bitterness. You could get bitter at a friend because you thought they would stand up for you if someone talked about you. Is this all making sense? Uh, three, someone calls you out for your sin. You call them out for their sin. And this happens when, um, this is spiritual maturity. So a spiritually mature person has a tender heart. That's how the Bible talks about it. We talked about it last week. 900 times it talks about your heart. And your heart is tender. When you're tender, means that it's like supple and it can, it can receive things. That's the way it is. And if you know someone with a tender heart, not only are they sensitive to other people's needs, empathetic, they feel for them. A hard-hearted person does not care. Does not care what God wants. A tender-hearted person does. And what that means is if you talk to someone um, I'll put my wife on the spot. She has a very tender heart. So if I would say, um, when you did this, it made me feel like this, so please don't. She would, she feels, imp- she feels sorry. She's, I'm so sorry, I did not mean to do that. She has a tender heart. If someone does not have a tender heart and you talk to them and said, when you did this, it made me feel this way, they usually turn it around and make it feel like how they were wronged. Do you ever experience that? 
well, yeah, but your attitude, let me tell you about the time you did this, but if you did this, you know, it goes, we're like, whoa, 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 we're, we're just trying to, I'm tr you know, I had enough courage to have enough love for you to give you truth, and now you're turning it into what, how, my problem. And that's, I mean, obviously, if you're a jerk, that's what, the importance of being truth and love at the same time. But that's what someone can get bitter about. Uh, number four, and this one's probably the most common. Um, in the book of James, it talks about the bitterness of, do you know what the, the word that follows after that? The bitterness of envy. And envy is a, a powerful thing that says your heart is jealous of what other people are experiencing or have. And this starts usually as you, when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you've got, if you've got siblings, if you've got kids in a classroom, there's always the kid who is somehow smarter and a better athlete and better looking and doesn't have to try. There's the kid who has more money. There's a kid who has more success. And, and that's really hard to be happy for them, right? So if they come to you like, hey, can you believe it? I won the lottery again. And you'd be like, yay, yay. Right, right? That's really hard. If you're finance, financial struggles and someone's like, I got a raise. I didn't even want it. So I gave it back. And you're like, ah. right? Like it's really hard, right? To have your heart go out for that person. And so this moves on. And the phrase that I use and, and I talk to um, talk to people is most people want you to do well. Like your friends want you to do well. No friend wants you to be like wallowing in a pit or jobless or anything like that. But how well do they want you to do? A little bit less than them, right? That's exactly right. Like, man, that is amazing. I'm so glad you're so good at that sport as long as you're a little bit less than me, right? Like, and it's all fine up until they get to that point and that takes something to be happy for someone who is doing better than you are. That's a maturity that says, God has given me different gifts, and the most mature people I know, whenever you tell them about anything good, are excited no matter what. So that can happen a lot of things, right? Finances, it can happen in your job. It can even happen in a spiritual realm, and it's really hard. Um, an example would be uh, someone has very successful, or let's just say godly kids. Um, we got a number of people that are in transition, so your kids are outside your house and you, they're really excited that their, their uh, spouse married a godly man or woman, and they're, they're, everything is fantastic, and they go to church every week. It is hard if your, church aren't, your kids aren't doing the same thing. It's hard if they're not being regular, or it's hard if they're, you know, all these things, right? Kids, jealousy. So what does the Bible call that? It calls it, be careful of the bitterness of envy, which is just longing to be other people. There is one thing. Uh, there's one thing that is okay, and that's when other people actually do sin against you. That's, there, there's a natural response when someone sins against you. And we're to, So this is just for you. If you have fake bitterness, just get rid of it. Like that, it doesn't make sense. If someone didn't really sin against you, if you're just jealous of someone, if someone actually tried to talk to you about your sin and you're mad about that, get over it. But the rest of the sermon is for you. If someone has sinned against you, how do you move on with this bitterness that seems to be kind of taking root, and that's how the Bible talks about it, taking root in your heart. So we're gonna look at a number of things, and the place that we're gonna look is Ephesians chapter four, and you can just highlight this in your Bible if you're working with your kids who are frustrated, right? And, and even working through some of these things, working with your spouse, working with yourself, this is how the Bible, we're gonna read it as a whole, and then we're gonna take one section at a time. Uh, Therefore, each of you must put up falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. And we're going to talk about how, how are all these things related. And maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but I think they are all directly related. But must work doing something useful with their own hands 
that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. We have one more verse after that, which we'll look at in a minute. So first thing that we're talking about is just speaking the truth and what we're talking about. And um, the thing that I think makes the most sense is speaking the truth in a situation. How does the Bible want you to handle it if someone sins against you? You can look at it in Matthew chapter 18. It's got all these steps, right? If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. That's what it talks about. What if your brother doesn't listen to you? What if this person does not listen to you? Um, it doesn't give us like this exact step, but it says, go get somebody else. Someone else has wronged you. You're talking about a family situation and you can't get to reconciliation. It says, bring someone else along as a witness. If it doesn't even get there, it says, bring someone from the church. Like this is a spiritual matter. That this is, why is the main concern for this whole thing? It's because of someone's soul. That someone who is wrapped up in a sin against you, you're worried about their immortal uh, soul. So it's talking about bring all these things and these people together. So what should you do? You go and you talk to them and you talk to them with truth. Here is honestly what has happened and here's what I want to happen beyond this. So think of whatever issue that you've got. Someone has wronged you. Someone took money from you. Someone um, slighted you. Someone called you a name. Let's just say someone called you a name. We said your mom called you fat in a checkout line, all right? So you're in a checkout line. Mom, a couple years ago, and I, it, this is embarrassing to even bring up, but a couple years ago, you called me fat in a checkout line, and it really makes me feel like low and small because it's something I struggle with. And they could say, I am so sorry, or they could say, I was trying to be cool and using P-H-A-T, and I thought this worked. And, you know, right? whatever it is, you could be like, oh, my goodness, this whole time I've been struggling over this whole thing. Or I, you know, I know businesses that have ruined because someone thinks someone else took money from them. You know, all kinds of situations where you meet and brothers and sisters don't talk. Relatives don't talk. How many people have an aunt or like two uncles? That, it's usually uncles. <laughs> How many people have uncles that don't talk? Like almost everybody, they're like, or they just like see each other. <laughs> For whatever reason, who knows what, this is what's happening. But here's the best thing that I think, um, the best verse that um, summarizes it. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. So when we talk about speaking the truth, gossip is uh, not necessarily false, but you're talking instead of what should you do when you have an issue with someone? If I've got an issue with someone, I go talk to social media, right? That's how we do it, right? Like if I've got an issue with someone, I pick up the phone, right? What, what is the answer? Gossip is talking about people, not to people. So when you speak the truth and you're like, hey, I'm just speaking truth here. The whole point, if you really want to reconcile and fix the situation, you don't go and put fire on it by gossiping. Now, there's a difference, right? Let's say you're overwhelmed by a situation, something happened to you, and that doesn't mean you don't find godly counsel. I know wise people that I'm like, okay, here's my situation. I'm not quite sure what to do. Find those. Talk to pastors, talk to people you trust, and say, well, I'm not sure exactly what to do. That's way different than picking up the phone. It's way different than sending a text message out. It's way different than blasting on social media whoever did what to you because of what. Because we're in an era where we have no things like to start a fire, right? That's kindling. Like gossip is like dry kindling on this fire. It might just be this little spark that says, I don't want to forgive this person. And now I am just going to throw gossip and talk to everyone I can and shoot out. And you know what's really interesting about gossip? You usually know who else doesn't like that person. And so what do you do? You call that person up. You're like, hey, I just, you know, something's on my chest. Maybe a prayer request. Uh, 
You know, you say these things, why do you do that? Because you know the other person's gonna empathize with your situation and say, oh yeah, you wouldn't believe it. They did the same thing to me. And like, and let's bring other people in here because then we can have a bigger fire. And then, and then it starts to die out. What happens if they get bored with it? You talk about it ad nauseum. You just find somebody else. You're like, hey, I got another situation, really struggling with this, right? Like you could do that forever and ever and ever. The Bible says, really, what are we supposed to be doing? We're not the fire, but instead when you speak truth, that's like water on a situation. We're just trying to put this fire out. Uh, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I'm sure you've heard someone talk about this. I don't, there's nothing new that I'm gonna share that we're, we're talking about controlling your emotions. So we have two things that are happening. Control uh, the truth that's coming out because we even got to it. Why would you do that? Because we're all members of one body. What, the, the truth that you share, the way that you speak affects the whole body. And the easiest way to, affect, to talk about that is in a family. We said in a big group socially, you could just blast things out all you want. You can do that on social media. But what happens in your own family? The words you speak are either building your family up or they're tearing your family down. And you've seen siblings that fight and bring each other down. What does it do? It brings the whole family down. You're on a family vacation and you've got kids that are saying, hey, that was really great. I really enjoyed spending time with you. That's building the family up. It makes the vacation better for everybody. What happens if you have two siblings that are just fighting with each other, saying how stupid they are and how dumb they are and how ugly they are or whatever, right? Like the whole vacation just sinks. It just sinks. So why? Because you're part of one body and it is a congregation of believers is one body and ultimately everything we do affects people. So in your anger, do not sin. So what are we saying? Anger is not something you can necessarily control in this sense. Um, it's an emotion that happens. You can't, you can't necessarily determine it. I can't say I will never get angry and then someone punches you in the face and you're like, I'm still not angry. That's just a lie. So, it says, so there is emotions that happen and we talk about positive anger for the right things. So what did God get angry about? When, yeah, we saw that when uh, they, they, they cut out the Gentile people from being able to worship because there's area only the Gentile could, people could worship and Jesus overturns the tables. Why is he so frustrated? He's righteous anger, we'd say, because he cares about it. You think God gets angry about sex trafficking? Do you think God gets angry about child abuse? Do you think God gets angry about um, spousal abuse? Do you think God gets angry when you're belittling people? Yes, 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 and yes. So your heart is natural when you see someone being wrong to say, like, I am angry about that. But it says, in your anger, this is an emotion, right? This is a high moment. And in your anger, you don't always necessarily have the ability to control it like you would when you're calm. So he gives you a timeline. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So I'll tell you two, two quick stories. Over at 22 minutes. <laughs> um, maybe one quick story. Uh, there is a there was a, a pastor friend of mine and he talked about a friend who owned a lumber yard. This is not the one that I worked at, but he said, he would drop, the guy said, when he dropped off lumber, and I've told you this before, and if someone called and said, this lumber is no good, he said, I will have a truck there in one hour. It's not like it's that, but he said it could be the best lumber I have in the whole lumber yard. But what happens when you have something that has affected you and it's sitting in front of you? You like meditate on it. You like ruminate on it. You think about it and you get what? angrier and angrier and angrier. What happens if your, your brother sold you a car that was junk and you said, this car is junk and it just sat in your driveway? Days and weeks and years. Like what would be happening? Every time you went out that door, you would stew. And so you have to remove that. So in your anger, maybe a couple hours, you got to take a breather. You got to go for a walk or whatever. But if this goes on for days, it goes on for weeks. Sometimes people forget the reason why they're angry in the first place. They just remember who they were angry at. Do not let the devil 
get a foothold. There is no greater point for the devil to move into your life. If you just talk about emotional window, right? If you're calm, your window is like this big. The angrier that you get, it gets bigger. Any emotion, right? If you love someone, this window of opportunity for the devil grows. Let's say you're passionately in love with someone. If you're talking about people having like premarital sex and things like this, this does not happen when they're in a calm situation. And so what's the big deal when people drink alcohol, for example? Why is that a big deal? Because it dulls, it makes this window bigger. Like this sense of calmly, it gets bigger and bigger. So there's more opportunity for the devil. You are angry. How many stupid things have you done when you're angry? And how many stupid things have you done sitting in your house listening to Yanni? Right? <laughs> like, besides listening to Yanni in your house, right? Like, but besides that, you, you don't, right? So this is a window. And so he's saying, watch. You got to watch your emotions, and when you're, and you're fired up like that, and, and some of you are very emotional and some of you are not. The most emotional people I know love emotionally, but they also hate emotionally. So you have people in your life that just, have, it's just up and down. And like, when you talk about this road, this line, it's like greased. So they move from back and forth and they're very passionate people. Be careful because they're the same ones who say that you're the greatest, most lovely, the, the greatest human they've ever met. And it could be two days later and they say, you are the worst person I've ever met in my whole entire life. That's just part of that emotion. Recognize who you are. Anyone who has been stealing, and this is all in one section, right? And I think, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. This is the one verse you're like, what does this have to do with something? I think the connection is this. If you're bitter, don't let the bitterness affect your emotions. Don't let it affect your words. It's gonna say next. And don't let it affect your hands. Um, those of you who are like a lawyer, okay, how many stupid things have you done when you've been angry with your hands or wanted to do? How many of you have like punched a pillow because you've got, some, you know, that window's not that big because you're frustrated, but sometimes it comes out different ways. You want to use something with your hands and you're so fired up and it just has to come out some way. A story that I shouldn't share that I have shared before is um, I was on my way back from, so CrossFit, I used to CrossFit before hip surgery. And so we went crossfitting, it's five in the morning, something like that, six in the morning. And I see this kid pull up and he opens his car door. And I've told you this, right? And he sets his coffee cup outside his car door. Have I told you this? I probably shouldn't. I, I'm currently your pastor and hopefully I stay. So he puts his coffee cup. This is just on the road. I'm behind him and he puts his coffee cup on the road and then he just drives away. I'm like, what? So we go to a stoplight and I pull this coffee cup. I pick it up and I, I knock on his window. I said, hey, you dropped this. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I, I love the environment. And then... And then I get back in my car and the, you know, the light for, so turns green to go left. And I thought, he's going to throw it out. He's going to do it again. And it, bzzz, I see the toss of the cup out the window, right? And in your anger, in like my window's getting bigger and bigger. So I go get the cup. It's half full. And he happens to stop at another stoplight. So then I just open his door. I said, oh, you dropped this again. And I just threw it into his passenger seat. And I shut the door. But at that moment... Melly's, like, Melly's wondering if I still could be your pastor. You what? No, he's lucky he didn't die. <laughs> That's what I would say. I was from CrossFit, right? I was living on testosterone at the point, right? Like, so people at Cast Rock don't have guns. <laughs> All right. Wait, who has a gun? Who, 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 people in Castle Rock with guns don't litter. How about that? <laughs> so, uh, so it was not a good situation, right? Like in my mind, I'm like, I did the right thing. But in the mo- what happened? Like you're doing stuff with your hands. And if you meet, we got multiple lawyers that are part of our church. How many things do you think came down through emotions? 
when their anger was taking the best of them and they said, I don't even know what came over me. Watch your hands. Like, what are you doing with your hands because you're so angry? And what are you trying to do to get back at your employer? How many times have someone like done graffiti or damaged a building or slashed their girlfriend's tires or, you know, keyed a car and all this stupid stuff? Why? Because their emotions, they, it shows itself through their hands. So he's saying, watch it. I don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to needs. This is the same thing that we said. So you, uh, when you're consumed by your anger, check your emotions, check your mouth, and check your hands. And that hands, maybe doesn't, you're like, I can't believe someone would do something physical. I would never want to punch something. But when you're angry, you pull out your phone and you start texting someone. When you're angry, you start calling someone and say, hey, let me talk to you about something. Not to the person that offended you, but someone else, just so you can get riled up and put more and more fire on. So what does God say? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, not just some of it, but all of it. And the way that it talks about it in the book of Hebrews, it's a root. And if you grew up in the Midwest, the roots here are wimpy because we don't get enough water. Uh, but if you, dandelions and the, the Midwest, if anyone had to pull these out, my dad like, hey, can you take care of the weeds? I'm like, yeah, I got these baby little hands. I'm like, I'll take care of the weeds. And you pull it and you're like, oh, that's kind of whole. So I just rip it off and I'm like, done. But what happens? It becomes like stronger and stronger. And like these dandelion weeds, I don't know. I think they're, the, the root is about this big around on the bottom. And if you don't get the whole root out, it just comes back stronger and stronger. If you don't root out the bitterness that is affecting your own heart, it's gonna control you more and more and more. So what does he say? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And that's a key moment. What did God do when you sinned against him? Does he talk about it? Does he come at you with his hands? Instead, he does this amazing thing. He says, I'm gonna take your sin that you've done against me and I'm gonna go to the cross and I'm gonna go in your place, I'm gonna die for you. In your place, I'm gonna live perfectly. In your place, I will rise and forgive you completely. When God sees you, it's not like he can't remember. The Bible says he can't remember everything. God, God's not, it's not, doesn't have this thing that, oh, there's a section, I can't remember that anymore. No, God is saying, because when I look at you in light of Christ, I do not remember the sin that you have done against me. And I guarantee every single one of us is struggling with something to be able to let go. And God is saying, look how tiny this offense is. Really, when you say, I don't want to forgive someone, God, I love you, but I want to forgive this person. You're saying, God, my offenses to you are no big deal. What this person has done is a really big deal. Now, I don't want to undermine this, and this is what I want to talk about forgiveness. Five quick things. Uh, five quick things as we talk about forgiving other people. Forgiveness is not canceling. Forgiveness is canceling a debt that someone owes to you. Realize that when you forgive someone, I was just talking about this with confirmation with the kids. There's not some magic rug where everything gets taken care of. You are the one taking the loss. And when someone has offended you or hurt you or abused you or whatever, however travis. Uh, uh, how terrible it is, when you say, I forgive you, you're taking a loss and you're the one who has to take that. But when you do that, two, you give yourself a gift and you give that person a gift. And I think probably the most important thing is when it comes to forgiveness, someone described it this way. When, if you don't want to forgive someone, you hold on to bitterness, you're trying to hurt that other person by punching yourself in the face. And you're giving yourself, number three, when it comes to forgiveness, what you're doing is letting that person or not letting that person control you anymore because they don't care a lot of times. They've done something to you, they've hurt you, they have moved on. And if you just sit and ruminate and think and, and say, I'm gonna get back at them, I'm not gonna talk to them, they, they have just moved on. It took me six months to realize Norm was hurt, right? Six months. And it guarantee the people in your life maybe have no clue what they're even done. Number three, or number four, 
Uh, it's not forsaking, uh, it is forsaking revenge. So when you forgive someone, you're saying, I'm trusting, but not forsaking justice. So there's two different things. So let's just say something very, uh, um, what would be an example? Someone um, abused you, we'll say that. Uh, a spousal abuse, they say, you can forgive someone, but they can still go to jail for it. That's justice. But you are seeking ultimate revenge. You're not saying, I'm gonna make this person's life a living hell for the rest of their life. You're saying, God, I'm putting this in your hands. I want you to take care of this. God, I need you to work on my own heart. Uh, final thing is, um, this is an ongoing action. And forgiveness, I wish, was something you could say, I'm just, I'm done with this and I'm moving on. It comes up again and again and again and again and again and again. What we hope for is that God is working on our own heart. And as we spend time in his forgiveness and understand his love for us, that each time it gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier, and a little bit easier. And what I have found, at least in my own life, is it's easier to act like you've forgiven someone before your heart recognizes that you have. So someone does something to you and to go through the motions, even though you don't authentically feel that, because if you wait till the moment where you feel like you're going to do it, it's never going to happen. But moving on and saying, you know what, I'm going to act like a friendship. I'm going to act like I've forgiven them. And I found that my heart is a little bit sometimes slowed to follow, but God does amazing things. Is this easy? Absolutely not. I guarantee every single one of us is struggling with this, but God does impossible things. I'm sure he can work in your own heart because he's already done the impossible by taking care of our own sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is so many things and so many struggles that we have. Um, sometimes we're waiting for apologies. Sometimes we're waiting for expectations for someone else. We can control what we can control. If we have hurt someone, let us go to them as soon as possible and repent of our sin and seek their forgiveness. Uh, even if they don't forgive us for what they've done, we know that uh, we, if our heart is pure in your eyes. If someone has offended us, actually sinned against us, help us have the, the mindfulness to go to them and forgive. And we pray that in all these situations, especially relationships that are valuable, the ones that are so easy to be bitter about, people we care about, we pray that we can get to reconciliation. It takes two people to reconcile. And ultimately, it takes three. We need to know your love and forgiveness overwhelming on all situations so that we can forgive, that we can repent, and we can reconcile. Give us that state of mind. Give us that kind of heart as we go and function this day. We ask this in your name.